Jigs and Bigs is proud to announce we're being supported by Old Glory Outdoors. They're a veteran-owned company that carries fishing and hunting gear. Plus, they're highly active in supporting veteran organizations and charities. Old Glory is an authorized dealer of favorite rods, FX rods, Guggenbaits, X-Zone lures, Sixth Sense, and many more. There's a brick-and-mortar store located in East Brookfield, Massachusetts, but you can also order online at oldgloryoutdoors.com. They ship anywhere in the lower 48 states or order online and pick up at the store. When you order, use the promo code JIGSANDBIGS and you'll save 10% off your complete order. Plus, you'll help support the show. Make sure to check out the apparel line called OGO Gear while you're there. Old Glory Outdoors believes in the slogan, start them young, to keep kids away from screens and enjoying nature. They've got a full array of live bait too. Check out oldgloryoutdoors.com and use the promo code JIGSANDBIGS, save some money and gear up now. Are you getting yourself ready for our show? everybody it's tuesday morning it's jigs and bigs time we have one amazing show for you we get right to it to this week we got we got on it probably has something to do with a little production snafu early on well you'll figure that out as you listen along anyway guys we have first to start things off we've got a happy birthday wish to an old friend of both sean the fisherman's and myself from back in the day back in the bernie's hot days in the warehouse we've got uh uh, a couple of things to mention. A bar taco was a, a big topic of discussion for a lot of the, the, the Jigs and Bigs fam this week. Uh, duck quesadillas and a, a whole lot more. And a little bit of TMI, if I'm being perfectly honest here. Uh, of course, Sean was back at Three Bells Outdoors uh, to pick up his new native Slayer kayak. Uh, very, very excited about that. We're looking forward to see how he does this tournament season uh, with the new boat. Definitely, definitely getting excited about that. We've got a great story about uh, Instagram reels and uh well the call of cthulhu if you will we'll just leave that alone for now we'll figure out while we're so, why it is that we're so excited about the uh, soft plastic baits we're getting ready to use this spring lots of great stuff coming up uh our upcoming weekend plans which should be absolutely huge we're getting amped up for a big weekend uh, meet up with some some homies and we're gonna hopefully possibly get out on some open water we'll find out uh we talk about a question from a listener uh, recommended combo used for spinner baits and bladed jigs we're gonna give our two cents and figure out what's up uh the hookset hoodlums well they got a brand new episode of fishing for answers and they recorded a new one with sean the fisherman we're going to get into the goods about that uh believe it or not sean the fisherman asked me bobby roast beef uh, for a gear recommendation and what i tell him what i reckon or what he asks for is going to blow your mind uh, what else do we have coming up here? Oh, we wrap things up on our private property conversation. And we talk about Karens and, and all that good stuff. Guys, you're not going to want to miss out. We have much more show coming up right after this.
Hey guys, it's Tuesday morning, and uh, this is take two of our little podcast. You guys missed out on a whole lot of stuff because we just kind of got okay. caught up over the weekend, and uh, and and I realized I wasn't recording. So uh, to all of our uh, Patreon subscribers, our our jig heads that are uh, watching this on YouTube, I apologize for repeating this, but this is the kind of uh, stuff that you get to see happen right in front of you. Uh, so if you're interested in becoming a jig head to get that early access to see this thing go down. <laughs> All you got to do is go over to jigsandbigs.com. There's a button that says become a patron right near our logo. Click on that sucker and you can lock in a spot for uh, $5 a month. It's a contribution that goes directly to the show. It helps us keep things going, helps us gear up with new stuff. We'll go over some of those details. So go ahead and check it out. Anyway, go on. Watch Jigs and Bigs fuck up online. Only five, 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 five dollars. And that's, I should say, that's only for the first 100 members. Once we reach 100, uh, the price uh, changes from there. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So anyway, uh, it was it, we've had a lot going on around here. I've been looking at uh, Weather Underground, getting uh, the, the next like 10-day uh, forecast to see what things look like. And it looks really great. We're talking about uh, not tremendously low temperatures overnight, but that high is getting up into the mid-40s now over the next handful of days. And we I think we dodged a bullet when it comes to snow up here in the northeast because we got friday night maybe like two inches maybe and you know by the time uh saturday rolled around i mean they did such a good job cleaning it up as it kind of hit right back down uh you know it was it was kind of easy to come back from but i will say this let's jump right into the weekends here a tale of two weekends i had uh, a, a a great weekend but in comparison to the weekend that sean had it pales in comparison uh my wife celebrated a birthday a big birthday and uh she went out she got a new tattoo we brought the kids out to dinner and took them out to a really really nice restaurant locally shout out to b napoli in west springfield and i gotta say sean i am really impressed and proud that my kids are not the kids that will that require a kid's menu. Now, granted, my oldest is 16, so she can kind of, you know, she knows what's up. Uh, my youngest, though, is 10, and she's not at all interested in your your chicken fingers or whatever, your chicken tenders. Uh, she, she was, she, I think, even referred to the server as she wouldn't require uh, training wheels uh, to place her order. So it was pretty good. Next level shit right there. Yeah. It really, it really, really was. It was, it was pretty good stuff. So, uh, you know, my weekend was great. Had a great time Friday night. Um, we had a little bit of snow. We, I hosted great game of trivia. Uh, Sean placed in the top three for that one. That was awesome. Not too shabby, not too shabby at all. And the music round this week that I had done was all bands from Texas. Um, all artists that call Texas home. In fact, it was from a list that were, was uh, Texas residents favorite uh, Texas bands. And it was great. It was all over the place. It was uh, a couple of surprises in there. I think for most people, there was one that blew me away that I did not know was a band from Texas. That was Fastball uh, that, that had that song, The Way. That was their big hit. Um, but, I mean, we did all kinds of great stuff. It was awesome. But actually, now that I mentioned Texas, I want to say this. Something related to fishing that was really monumental happened this uh, past couple of days. On BBC News, Global News Network, Everybody's, I mean, people say he's like the most hated Guggen, but Alex Perrick, owner of Fro of uh, Frostbite Fishing, Ice Fishing Company, was on BBC News this past week uh, live ice fishing in Dallas, Texas. And while he was on, he hooked up with a little dink largemouth. 
pretty cool little moment. I'm like, how often is that going to happen in Texas? So, you know, they're out there doing that. And a bunch of the, like, Weston Smith has some ice fishing videos, which you'll never probably see again on his channel. So check those out. So weird, you know, weather week, I think, for everybody that we just kind of came through. But for us, we totally dodged a bullet. Sean, let's get to your weekend. Dude, first thing before we start. Uh, we have uh, we have an old friend that we should wish birthday wishes to. Yes, I saw that on the on the Facebooks before we uh, we started. You want to uh, you want to give the the background on on how we know this fine gentleman? Sure thing. So this fine gentleman here uh, is actually the backstory of how Sean and I kind of met was we worked together at a local TV and appliance store in the warehouse, and uh, I remember it was my first day. Actually, it was the first day that I met uh, the birthday boy whom we're talking about. He trained me that day, and I'm sure he thought we're screwed. This guy is the biggest fuck up <laughs> I've ever met in my life. Uh, he runs a podcast and can't even hit record properly. So what are we going to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, you know, and, and that is how Sean and I met was working there with this guy. So Chuck Robertson, happy birthday, buddy, a fellow angler still in the area, which is good. You know, things are hopefully going well for them. So, you know, awesome. You know, it's another another trip around the sun. Good for you, bud. We gotta we gotta see if we can get in touch with Chuck if he doesn't want to fish and we'll do we'll just we'll do some old time shit. We'll grab, you know, hand trucks, pallet jacks. Yep. We'll have a good time with it. I do I will never forget where I, I don't know if you were there for this, but there I mentioned pallet jacks earlier because do you remember the time that like idiots, I mean real like fucking blue ribbon morons. This is what we were. Two people on a pallet jack, each with a leg hanging off to the side for additional speed. Man in the rear holding on to the waist of the driver in front of him. And you know a pallet jack works. That handle is to drop the pa the jack all the way down to the floor. So when you slide it through a pallet, you pump it up and it lifts the pallet up off the ground and rolls that way. Well, this was a two-level warehouse. And I remember this clear as day. This is over 20 years ago. I mean, when I worked there, I was a teenager. You know, both of us. And I'll never forget this day. I don't know if you were on the back of that pallet jack with Chuck. It was either you or it was Matt. And they had gone and done the big loop up the on the on the upper floor, which was the larger one, had all kinds of speed and went down a ramp into the lower floor. And uh, whoever it was, it must have been Matt, thought that the that it was a break some reason. Oh, and it was a break. And as they went over the threshold for the ramp, he dropped it down and it caught. And these two bodies went flying into dishwashers and refrigerators <laughs> that were all boxed up. Oh my God. I thought that I like whoever was with me that day, whether it was you, Sean or Billy or whoever it was, I remember we looked at each other like they're dead. They're dead. There's no way. And they were buried in a bunch of these appliance boxes. Like, oh, it was absolutely the most stupid thing I've ever seen in my life. But I wouldn't change it for the world. We could write a book on the stupid shit we did in the basement yep. of that warehouse. It the, was we were we were so dumb. The we were elevator kids. shaft. My God. The stories about the elevator shaft alone, I mean, the uh the cricket that overwintered there by eating Burger King that we threw it that we got for free, which is a whole nother story. That was amazing. Like, wow. We, we figured that cricket was the size of a football by the time it got out of there. Oh, yeah. It or it eat, eventually it would eat a small child if it got trapped. Yeah. Eventually it evolved into that thing that grabbed Luke Skywalker in the in the dumpster in um in the in the Death Star. Yep. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, it was a, an interesting time. It was the mid nineties, you know? <sighs> yeah. How did we survive that shit? I know. I know. Crazy. Oh man. So so let's walk through your weekend because like I said, my, my weekend was great, but 
your weekend was really something. Yes, my weekend started uh, Friday. So obviously we had trivia, but while we were at trivia, um, my weekend started Friday. Everybody's fucking weekend started Friday. What, I hear you. Saying? So Friday, my sister and her husband went down to Bar Taco on our recommendations and just another another sassafried customer with those those duck quesadillas. She had nothing but positive things to say about the duck quesadillas. She gave me a list of the things they tried, um, one of which I'm not going to say because I'm going to get into it in a minute, but she also loved those Baja fish tacos that I get. Those are phenomenal. Oh yeah, they God, had a blast. Yeah. She loved it. Uh, he loved it. They went. They knocked it out. They did have one item that they they don't know if they're going to try again because they apparently got a saltier one and it it put them off. Oh, that, really? Uh, yeah, that sirloin taco they have. You know, that's one of the only ones I had never ordered. I was like, I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, I, and I'm a, I'm a steak taco kind of guy, but when I'm there, it's more about seafood and the wild game for me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so so yeah, she uh, she said that one wasn't top notch just because it was oversalted, but that could have been one piece of meat. Who knows? Could have been a new guy that's behind true. a freaking. Yeah, the new guy, the new sous chef season and that shit. But aside from that, she said it was a knockout, which, again, it's what we always hear. Yeah. We're right on this. We're opening the door for folks. It's true. So Saturday, my friend and yours, Nelson, stopped by and I said, dude, we're going to go down. We're going to go down to uh, Bar Taco and then we're going to go to uh, Three Bells. Nelson had some adventures. Okay. Oh, yeah, he did. That's from what I understand. We, we got we got to Bar Taco and we ordered. And I walked them through the ordering process, made sure they knew what was up with my food sensitivity bullshit. Sure. And then we waited. And our duck quesadillas arrived. And I waited to see what Nelson's face looked like when when he when the flavors hit him, right? So I'm gonna say this. I've had a lot of adventures in my life. I've been in some sketchy places, been in some sketchy uh situations. Yeah. All right. Of course. Not once in my life do I ever believe that I have been within, I don't know, 10 feet without a wall in between of another man orgasming. I think I was yesterday. Wow. <laughs> the look on his face, it was it was one of those, oh, and then like that, mm, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah, I hear you. And it wasn't the first time I saw it that day. Wow. That's <laughs> oh. impressive. Let me continue with my story. So we we ate. Uh, I'll tell you my orders. Let's just so you know, because I'm a big dude, but I also pigged out. Like I didn't sure. eat for the rest of the day after this, aside from a small bag of chips, because chips. It's a bag of chips. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you got to do. If I'm driving, I generally have a bag of chips in my lap. Um, I had started with uh, with two duck quesadillas. My that was my appetizer. My uh, my taco order was two of the oyster ones and two of the Baja fish ones, the fried oysters. Oh yeah. Then I I followed back up with um, an oyster, a fish, and I tried the pork belly one. Oh, Holy that one was really good. Yeah, shit. Yeah, yes. The pork belly is another home run. Yeah, it's no. It, it's just it's not the duck quesadilla. The duck quesadilla is its own entity. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I think it stands. There's not. You know how like in in like like the Olympics, you've got like that. You know, gold, silver, bronze, like like platform where the athletes will stand. This has its own unique platform unto its own. That's it can't be touched. The tacos are one event. Yes, the tacos are synchronized swimming. Yep. The quesadillas are shot putting. Yeah, they're completely different sports. But my goodness. Yep. So. 
So Nelson and I uh, waddled out of there with a to-go bag. And I should say this, Bar Taco, uh, their management, I told you this yesterday, it was pretty funny. So all of us, everyone in the extended family here with Jigs and Bigs between Old Glory and Hookset and Delirious, and Stretching Lines, the list goes on and on. All the folks we've been collaborating with and hanging out with, a lot of them have stickers with their logos on it. Mm-hmm. And we all tend to... I don't know. We're kind of we do a lot of trading and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and everybody's got each other's stickers. It's funny because we initially started getting stickers solely for while we were out fishing, so that we would have them. So when we bump into somebody and there's a conversation, we can leave them with something that has the podcast name on it. They might throw it on a truck or a tackle box, and then the hopes is that more people will listen to the show. And I'm sure that's the case with everybody in our in our in our circle. But you know, when you find out that your friends have stickers with their logo, you do a trade. You know. Yeah. Yep. So, as Nelson and I were were waddling away from our table, there's a server station where they were putting silverware and shit together and wrapping it up with a napkin. But they put a little sticker on there, and I caught this process. And I looked down, and they had a folder full of sheets of stickers. And I said. I want that sheet of stickers. What do I have to do to get it? And they said, talk to the manager. So I went over to the manager that you and I met the first yep. time we went. The same guy was there. And I said, hey, man. He goes, oh, I remember you. How's it going? I said, good. I said, can I get a sheet of those stickers? And you know what he said? <laughs> Tell me. He said, go ahead. He said, go ahead. So I have a sheet of Bar Taco stickers that I will be using and abusing. We'll have to figure out some sort of. They're going to they're gonna end up on kayaks. No, I got to end up everywhere. Yeah. But they're not vinyl. They're they're. You yeah, know, inexpensive, yeah. inexpensive regular stickers that are going to get destroyed in the water. And uh, we'd have to laminate them, get a little circular laminates and put them over. Oh, yeah. So Nelson and I waddled back to my truck. Waddled? Like ducks, ah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Like the ducks we were. And got in the truck and, uh, you know, my Google Maps decided to screw around me a little bit. So we got we got to see a little bit of uh, central Connecticut, a little more than I wanted to. There you go. We got we got down to three bells and I walked in with that that bag. And then it was Lauren's turn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I handed her that bag, said hello, everything's going good. They had a couple customers in the store. When the customers cleared out, she popped the duck quesadilla. And that was the second time that I saw it. Not a man, obviously, but yeah. things happened to Lauren. Yeah. Things happened. That she's she's a duck quesadilla aficionado from the first bite. Yeah. I yeah. think I think that's if 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 anything, if if the gospel of uh duck quesadillas is what you were trying to spread, it's mission accomplished for you. Good job. I'm a, I'm... <laughs> you're the yeah. you're the what's the you're the Pat Robertson of Duck Quesadilla. You know, you're the Duck Quesadilla, you're running the Duck Quesadilla seven hundred club essentially. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Pablo Escobar of fucking duck tacos. Pablo, there we go. It's a little bit <laughs> instead of narcos, it's quackos. Yes, oh. exactly. Uh, so, Andy's uh, jumping so- in here and saying he spotted some of the uh, B and J stickers at the Grand. Oh, oh, the Jigs and Big stickers at the Granville Country Store. See, beautiful. I told you I left them there. I wasn't lying. Yeah. Anybody, if you're up going to the Berkshires, you stop at Granville General Store, get our stickers. And Lauren is agreeing with the story. Yummy, yummy. Yeah, that's she so- also. She had duck crack is what she's describing it as. And she also, um, she also got a bonus out of this. So, um, bar taco accidentally gave Nelson an incorrect taco on his order. And he had, he had ordered a fish one. And for some reason, a chicken one came out. Gotcha. Bar tacos like, we got you. We'll get you a fish taco. Yep. I gave the chicken taco in, in the, I put that in the, one of the to go ca- uh, containers that I gave to Lauren. Cause I yep. picked up a couple of duck quesadillas. We were trying to get Ted, their tech, to have one too, and Ted was not having any. I guess he's not a duck guy. Fair. So he got to 
Yep. He uh, he gave his up to Lauren, and she gladly. She said she had I'm to, sure. Yeah, she had to fight her dogs when she got home. Apparently, her dog smelled duck quesadilla, and it was just that both of them were all over to all over the duck. And she's like, "Nope, it's, it's mine. It's yeah. mine, Kitty. It's my my papa." So um, <laughs> <laughs> that happened. But the main event, uh, Nelson was with me. Lauren was kind enough to give us a whole tour again. I mean, you and I saw most of it. We missed yep. out a couple of things the last time. They oh, were yeah. a little busy. But um, there was a couple buildings we saw, like uh, some kayak storage we had not seen on the first go-around. No, we got the whole thing, and some of the renovations are doing that. Um, I'm not privileged enough to tell yeah. what they are oh, right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm yeah. not privy to that. You and I could talk about it off-air. I think sure. Lauren would be cool with you hearing about it. But there's big things coming from Three Bells. I mean, we're excited to be working with them. Like, yeah. I cannot – I think you got – I texted you a couple times when I got home last night. I'm ecstatic to be working with them. Yeah. And I think that the feeling's mutual. They're they're really happy with, you know, we're, we can't shut our mouths about it, which is great. And um, I mean, the big thing is I'm I'm pedalized now. I yep. got a pedal kayak. Pedal power. Pedal power. That's awesome, man. So just it just works out that of course the model of this kayak is the Slayer. What is it? The Slayer Max Propel. Yep. And me being a metalhead, that just fits. It's perfect. It just, it just, it just works in so many ways. So, if you've popped around on my Instagram over the past twenty four hours, you'll see that uh, it's been a Slayer Greatest Hits song accompanying pictures. So that's that's been good. Mm-hmm. You know, Slayer Greatest Hits track. Um, oh, Lauren says she's thrilled to be working with us. We're excited for this summer, Lauren. We got asses to kick. It's yeah. gonna be great. It's gonna yeah, be amazing. So, um, yeah. So on the way home, uh, this is where. <laughs> Embarrassing Nelson story number two comes up, and I did call him to check whether it was okay to tell this. <laughs> okay, right? that's good. So, if anybody's been paying attention to my Instagram, which I've gotten a lot more active with over the past couple of weeks, oh yeah, um, you'll notice that I did a little. I did my first Instagram reel. I had not. I found an opportunity to screw around with that platform and said, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna goof around with this," and got a few laughs because <clears throat> when I was at um, stretching lines uh, earlier this week, helping Damien out, which I'll talk about that in a little bit, um, I had to make a uh, a guide for myself because there's a certain amount of Damien is, you know, he's a manufacturer. There's a certain amount of plastics that go in each bag based on what model they mm-hmm. are. Well, there's a lot of them. So I just said, well, let me take some of these dead ones that are not used and I'll put them up on a board. I'll write their name underneath them and I'll write a the count. Yeah. Num- the, yeah. The count, how many goes in each bag because I'm an idiot and I get into the sleep medicine at night. Sure. So things don't work. The things don't work right all the time. So it's cool. I, but I know that and I just take notes and we're good. So, um, for the video, I put a little joke in because Damien's son was down there running around, grabbing at bags of plastic and shit underneath the uh, underneath the, the, the table, and he pulled one out, and it was one of Damien's earlier molds. Yeah, and it's just a four phalangeed craw-looking thing with two evil eyes, and it was venomous green, and it looked like every incarnation of Cthulhu. Yeah, <laughs> from H.P. Lovecraft stories that you can imagine. <laughs> so I'm laughing at that thing and I, I put it on the board. I put all of Damien's products that right at the end, I put Cthulhu and quantity in each package, 666, because that makes me laugh because I'm an idiot. That's perfect. Which got, apparently, yeah, got a couple laughs. Chris yeah. Davari loved it. Exceedingly, you know, expectingly so. So uh, we were driving home yesterday and Nelson and I stopped for our bag of chips and soda pop on the way home. And we were talking about the work I was doing with stretching lines. Yep. And as we were getting out of the car, he goes... He goes, man, I really, I'd like to get a better look at that Connecticut Hulu. And I go, no, 
I go, the fuck are you talking about Connecticut Hulu? He goes, you know, that one you put on the board. And I'm thinking about it. I go, oh, dude, that was a joke. That was a beat up old plastic I found under a table. It looked like Cthulhu, the the, the evil god from H.P. Lovecraft stories. <laughs> I started Hulu. laughing. But Nelson, in his defense, Nelson is just an avid outdoorsman. Oh, yeah. Pop culture and shit like that. So, like, it's understandable. But I, oh, I was fucking dying. The Connecticut Hulu. That's awesome. That's priceless. Good oh, one, Nell. That was. That I was love good. that. That's funny, man. Oh god, nice, nice G-rated story. There was an explanation. It was funny. We laughed. I was, I like I was laughing about lot. it going down the road. I'm like Connecticut Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn, that is some good stuff. That is some yeah, really so good stuff. That is some good stuff. So, uh, getting back to what I was saying earlier this week, I was over with uh, Damien mm-hmm. helping out stretching lines. So, Damien's a one man operation. Yeah. And, um, you know, with my schedule being moderately open, I mean, do I have responsibilities with the kids and house and shit? I try to get over there once a week at the least to help him out with shit. If, if he's got a bunch of stuff backed up, dude, I did manufacturing for a couple of years. It's very easy to bag plastics. I don't yeah. give a shit. So that's what I was doing. We were bouncing ideas off each other, doing this, doing that. And I was, I bagged up a ton of his plastics and yeah, um, there's good things coming, man. He, there's been a couple colors that I've been asking him to kind of really like hone in on and um looks like he's developed a pro line based on a lot of my suggestions if anybody saw his fire craw um my god that fire craw he made for for a number of jig trailers oh, that looks so insane. good insane it looks yeah, I, so I good. dropped yeah i dropped you a bag off because he said give these to bobby let me know what he thinks because you're yeah. big with all the with all the red stuff you bought in the past week that's going to be huge going right to that um was it your was it the guggen uh chatterbait yeah the clickbait yeah. i was able to get clickbait, that one in red me. yeah Yep. Oh, Nelson's and like, just here. Nelson wants everyone to know that he's just here to make people laugh at him. Yeah, I love it. I freaking love Nelson, it. Nelson, we, we love you. It was it was funny, man. I, it was completely G-rate. You weren't naked or nothing, right? I mean, that, no. we, we've been down that path. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is freaking Nelson, hilarious. Nelson right now is carving a hole in the ice to, big enough to jump in and not come up. Um, <laughs> Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah, Audi. I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'd say that, but his dad's out there with him. I think they got some fresh chorizo. So oh, I wouldn't. Baby. I would just grin and bear it and just yeah. chew and laugh. You know, that's chorizo. So, um, yeah. So helping out Damien's been great. He's got a lot of good stuff coming for anybody who's looking for, you know, if you're in New England, a local, like really high quality, high plastic, quality plastics. Some, I think that's the yeah. biggest takeaway is that these aren't just like your like Damien puts his heart and soul into each design. Like he really, really puts effort in to make sure that these things look right and he's always asking for feedback from other people in ways that he can improve them so i i love using his his stuff and he's got some some new stuff that i think is just absolutely dynamite it's it's my goal with working with him that um you know that i a lot of the stuff he's done on his own like i'm just like great that'll be a great substitute from some of the big name companies i'm using but it's my goal to start this tournament season carrying nothing but stretching lines plastics yeah. and i think i think it's very attainable there was a couple of like i'm like working on colors with him like i have some preferences and he's taking my input which is awesome and then he's using my preferences and just rolling with it like hey we found this mix you like it you say it works we're gonna go with it so yeah. thank you damien for taking you know really taking my advice on that and, and really working to um to the preferences i have and, and i think you'll you'll see and, and even more importantly the anglers that are using them are going to see. I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of success with particular colors of plastics, and uh, and he's 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 you know he's he's listening to what I say, and it's awesome. So thank you, Damien. Yeah, that's awesome. They are. I mean, yeah, I've been he, I've been using those plastics for a bit, and 
you know, I, I, I love them. It's, it's my choice of stick bait now when I'm going to use one of those. And, and the things that he's added there for creature baits and craws are just, I'm, I'm, ex- yeah. I'm super excited. I love it. We, we unfortunately omitted that Nelson is not only out there eating chorizo, but he's also pounding fresh made family wine. Yep. We, should, we should make mention of that. So we might get some, we might get some uh, uh, progressively incoherent statements from Nelson over the course of the next hour or two. But that look, sounds like one hell good. of an afternoon, though. I mean, you know, that's look at, think about it. The wine never gets too warm. You know, it's out there on the ice. Look, man, next year you got to get some gear because we got a paella waiting for you. Yeah. For those of us who, or for those of you guys who didn't listen, well, that was our big surprise. Nelson yeah. and I were going to have his father make a paella for Bobby's first ice fishing paella. excursion. So that, but didn't happen this year. So yeah. now the, you know, we know for next year, right? Well, and we're getting close to some open water. And uh, we're hoping that, you know, even as, as early as next week, we might be able to f- get out on some open water. Hopefully, we'll see. Yep. So you and I have a little scouting mission planned yep. where I may be recovering some pants. Yeah. So that's all I want to say about that. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I'm glad I can be there for you, you know, to, to lend a helping hand, I guess. But uh, I, I'm actually hoping that that we do d- stumble on some open water just because I'd, lo- I'd love to try out some of these new plastic designs that Damien's yep. got. I think if nothing else, you know, the bar is set low for expectation, but I think there's it's going to be a good, good summer, good, good spring. Uh, exactly. And, what, and whatever we do on our little field trip is going to be right up your alley because yeah. it's going to be from the shore. I'm not bringing the boat yet. Yep. Um, I have, I have some things to do around with a lot of my gear. I'm actually, this week is my, uh, this week is my open water prep. So I'll be doing all my reel cleaning this week. I'll be doing all relining this, that, and the other. I am, I'm ready to go. So hopefully by this week, uh, you know, it'll be that first time out of, oh, you know, getting the muscle memory back and we'll see how it goes. And then on top of that, we have a really good place to eat when we're done and, uh, that well, we're just going to leave it at that because yeah. I want to talk about that next week. We got some, you know, if, we got some information. If possible, we should make a uh, pit stop on the way out to uh, Old Glory Outdoors because there's fucking done. There is a uh, uh, there's rumblings of a of a little uh, meetup that's happening out that way. So we should we should definitely stop by. And I even said I was like, if we end up for whatever reason like the weather tanks and we're just not going to do this, I was like, I'm probably going to end up at OGO anyway. You know, always, I can always use a couple of things. You know what I mean? I can always yeah. use a couple of things. Um, I uh, I do need to get on this uh, replacing some decent uh, sunglasses. So I'm open to any suggestions that folks have. I'm not looking to drop a whole lot. I would like to instead be able to buy some different colored lenses and such. But uh, I think I've, I, I've I've got maybe the brand down that I'm going to pull the trigger on. But, you know, we're, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, fool around with some of this stuff. Uh, I did get a question. I don't want to jump into the the follow up about the uh, the the current uh, situation of or, or the the discussion we had last week regarding private property and Karens and dealing with like you know trespassers or if you're trespassing and such and such. We do have a little bit to kind of follow up on there, but we did have a uh, a question that came in um, when I posted the link in the Patreon account. I had uh, mentioned or not when I posted the link when I posted the the schedule when the next upcoming one was. I, I posted in there. Uh, to leave any questions if you want us to talk about it. And I uh, I got a response from Roadkill Nick. Uh, he had asked about uh, Rod and, and Rod and Real suggestions for a uh, spinnerbait or chatterbait rod. Like what would we, th- the ideal setup to throw spinnerbaits and chatterbaits. So I figured we can just jump in, kind of talk about that now. And I know you have something, as you said, is gear oriented, but you want to hold off a little bit, right? 
Okay, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in and throw my two cents in here. Uh, I will say this. my The reason why I choose this rod specifically is because spinnerbaits and chatterbaits are single hook baits generally uh generally speaking you uh your hook set's going to be a little bit heavier with a single hook bait than uh than a treble hook bait they you know the design is a little bit different so i would th- i would say ideally uh a medium heavy i would say 7273 because with those baits, they're moving baits, uh, a little bit of extra, you know, rod tip will give you, you know, some some longer, you know, you can bomb it out there and get some real long casts. That definitely helps. Uh, I would say that for the rod, medium heavy, 7273, something like that. And as for a reel, I would say a seven speed reel um, because sometimes you want to burn it. You know, sometimes you want to like as a general, like this is a good place to start. Sometimes you want to burn it. But if you're a little bit more, you know, with a, a reel that's, you know, and that's not even like crazy fast, but a reel that's sort of like in the middle right there, you can kind of burn it if you need to, or you can also really slow roll it, uh, you know, when they get lethargic or something like that. So that's that's on me. Also, I like uh, a medium heavy too because of like with the, like when you have a chatterbait, specifically chatterbaits, uh, between the blade and the exposed hook. You're going to hook some grass. Sometimes you got to rip right out of there and having a little bit of extra backbone is kind of, that's, that's what I would pick. What about you, Sean? I, I'm going to blow your mind. I actually have, I have a similar setup, but yep. I would say if you're fishing from a boat, whether it's a boat or a kayak, seven, two, seven, three, completely agree with you. If you're yeah. fishing from shore, go with like a six, six medium heavy. Yeah, really? Okay. What, what? Tighter, man. That way, if you got trees and shit around, you're not. That, you'd be surprised. I would go <laughs> with a shorter too. rod. That too. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I would go with a slightly slower reel. I would go with like a six yep. year ratio. Um. But that being said, for mine, I use the same one I use for my crankbaits. I use a five. I keep that thing slow. Real slow. So, okay. But I would I would recommend anybody just getting going. Go with a six. Yeah. Six is fine. I think seven might be a little too fast, but yeah. What you know six. Six or seven, and, I'm not going to nitpick. And also, there are other variables in there. Are you throwing a quarter ounce uh, chatterbait? Or are you throwing a quarter ounce? Um, you know, are you throwing like a, like a half ounce? Um, where are you trying to keep it in the water column? You know, because that's going to de- determine a lot of like how fast or how slow you need to be cranking on that reel to keep it in that zone. Um, you know, that's the other thing too about spinnerbaits. If you're talking customizing spinnerbaits. <sighs> You know, a half ounce spinnerbait, those blades, I've seen some spinnerbaits with massive blades, and that's no longer a half ounce bait anymore, you know? Like, you got to kind of pay attention to some of that. I've seen people throw spinnerbaits that you have to throw in heavy rods because they're like serving dishes hanging from that wire bait, you know? They're just huge, and there's a reason, you know, obviously for them, but, you know, you got to take into consideration what the rod can do. But generally speaking, I would say that for, for you know, uh, for, for rod, that that's what I would throw. Um, yep. So very nice. So we we did that. Good. <laughs> we we did a thing. We did that. We did a thing. We did <laughs> we helped, something. We helped out Roadkill Nick. I love it. I'm excited to see your uh, kayak, uh, the the finished product. I don't think I, I've seen anything o- online. I, unless unless I know you mentioned that uh, Three Bells had posted something. I'm wondering if it was maybe in their stories and I missed it. Um, uh, I can't remember if it was story or not, but I did. Yeah. I know um, Derek did post something while Ted was working on it because yeah. I saw the boat. Like mine is going to be, you know, like we've talked about this before. One oh, of yeah. the things, the preferences that I have for kayaks is 
having all the rod holders on my left side. I found yeah. it eliminates, nearly eliminates if, I mean, you know, this is a new kayak, so I'm going to have some learning curve here, but it eliminates uh, banging into rods when you go over your right shoulder to cast. I, I'm right-handed. If you're left-handed, switch it. Put them over on the right side. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I did see a picture of that while they were installing the rod, the rod holders, and I'm like, well, that's obviously the one I'm going yeah. to be inheriting here. So, um, yeah, it looks great. I can't wait to, to really fool around with the electronics. I'm going to start screwing around on YouTube and learning as much as I can about that because yep. this is a big bump up for me. Yeah. Um, Electronic-wise, I've always stayed at the lower end of it. And then, um, I mean, honestly, I feel pretty pretty good about the, the pedal itself. Like, Oh, yeah. You know, this that should be the easy part. Um, learning to use a rudder, I mean, that seemed pretty easy. So we'll see what happens with that. But, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm as excited as – Lauren was at three bells yesterday to get that quesadilla. That's, like, that's what this, I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Best way to I am fired surmise up. that whole experience, I'm sure, is is, is yep. with that comparison. Very yep. nice. So man. we're we're in good shape with that. Um on another topic. So this is our second Sunday recording session in two weeks, right? Yep. This, we did one two weeks ago, not last week, but the week before. Yep. <clears throat> so um Chronic Trips is still in the last day of the third week, and I'm not gonna give an update on that. Yeah. I just learned Wait till the you know wait till the the the, the weekends. The yep. Go ahead and compute everything, and then I'll have some information. Um, well, actually, by next week, we'll have the final. Yeah, that's true because isn't Saturday the end of the month? No, Sunday's 20. the end of the month. Sunday's the end of the month. Yeah. So next week, when we record Monday morning, I'll have the the finals done because I'll be able to compute it uh, either Monday morning before we record or Sunday night. One of the Sweet. two. That's going to be good. So Chronic Trips is still going, um, and remember. You know, we're not going to have, there's going to be nothing jigs or jigs and bigs or chronic trips going in March. And then chronic trips starts up again in April. Yep. And then we've got May. And then we've so got we May. Are ready, we're ready to go. And then it just alternates until October. And then everything stops until next January. We're getting that new schedule we talked about with chronic trips mm -hmm. where, um, you know, we're going to leave the holidays alone from, from Halloween, which at this point is a major holiday in the U.S., to, <clears throat> to really New Year's Day. Yeah. That's, I think that's the smartest way to do it. Yeah. You know, yep. just do it all that so, way. Sweet. That's how we're going to roll. There was one thing that, that I want to bring up that happened to me last night that you were aware of. And I, again, texted you at whatever, 1130 or midnight yep. saying how excited I was. So to finish off this weekend that I had, our good friends, my good friends and yours, the Hookside yep. Hoodlums, have started a another YouTube show called, um, what is it, 10 minute, uh, what is it, 10, God damn it, I forgot the title. Fishing for Answers. Fishing for answers, where it's ten, it's a ten minute format where they bring a guest on and they hammer them, and it is not all fishing shit. If no, it's all seen, over the place. Yeah, the uh, the first episode aired last week or was posted last week with mm -hmm. uh, Delirious Angler. Uh, today's episode has Brutus. Yep, uh, Brutus seventeen. Yep, yep, he's in there, and then I am the third guest. And we talked about this at the end, uh, the hook, the hoodlums, and I after we went off air and. Number one, you're getting a lot of mentions on there. All right, oh, we everybody yeah. love everybody loves you, dude. Now I appreciate it. I re I yeah. really do. And when I talked to them, I said, uh, I, I the, one of the first questions I asked was after we got off air was, "Are you guys planning on having Bobby on at some point?" And they said yes, and I said good because I am the I am the appetizer to the Bobby sandwich. Yeah, I'm just a. <laughs> To the world sandwich, nice. I am. I am simply some potato chips. You know, I, you know what actually what Nelson and I tried yesterday that was a little, Nelson loves hot shit. I tried yep. those, um, you know, the Pocky chips, the ones that make that ghost pepper one that Shaq ate and almost shit himself on oh, air. Oh yeah, I, lo I love those. Yeah. So I like, I like the jalapeno ones, the green ones. Those are yeah. fine. I can, I can knock down those all day. 
And then Nelson and I tried the uh, the chili limon ones, the fiery chili limon. Oh yeah, I'm not a fan. To quote the Jerky Boys, that shit hurt. I bet you I was, did. I was burning for a little bit. I'm like, woo. And I've had the ghost pepper ones accidentally. That was murder. The chili ones got me a little good. I'll probably still have them. That was, I'm pushing my boundaries a little bit with heat. So that yep. was good. But um, yeah, as far as hooks that go, sorry for that tangent. Oh, no worries. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to say too much because obviously the show is going to air next week. Yeah, it's on their they YouTube hit- channel. Go ahead and check it out. Yep, they hit me with some questions. We were we were all laughing. We had a great time. They hit me some fishing shit. They hit me with some out of left field shit. Yep. Um, I love we it. had yeah, it, it, we laughed, we cried. It was funny. It was serious. We were all over the place. And I hope, um, man, I hope I hope more people. If if you're, you know, if you're listening to us and you're not aware of the Hookset Hoodlums, what they're doing, I hope that this is a gateway. If you like listening to my godforsaken voice for whatever reason or the shit that spews out of my mouth yep check out their stuff uh, i'll be on there for a 10 minute quick 10 minutes of me being me and them being them and see what they're about check them out there's my hook set plug so and thanks, that's thanks to the guys for having me on it was awesome that's the thing about hook set hoodlums too it's like yeah it's it, it's an apparel company they have some select baits that you know fit what it is that they're doing but really it really is all about community and family and it's like that's that's why i love them so much i think they're just they're they're fantastic they get it you know they they get the thing that i like best about this whole fishing sort of package all all together and they had a huge weekend as well because now they're uh they're they're in some select stores and i say that because they've been over at ogo you could pick up your hooks at hoodlums gear over at old glory outdoors but uh, if you were in in their local area in connecticut i mean you had to you know hike all the way up here to mass in order to get it now they've hooked up with uh, a tackle shop down there i think that they've they've been in talks with some various ones to put their apparel in there so it's i i have to say there is a lot of reach it's not weird when i'm on the road traveling uh, especially if I'm fishing, like if I go to a spot and, and I'm, I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to get over here and, you know, fish this one lay down. I'm looking forward to it. And there's already a couple of cars there. It's not weird to see a hook set hoodlum sticker on the car or something like good. that. You know what I mean? That's really good stuff. And I'm starting to see some jigs and big stuff. And that always makes me smile too. That's the greatest feeling ever. So good stuff, man. Yes. I would say this was a, a, a killer weekend. Like, you it know? was. I, I was on cloud nine after last night with all this stuff. Now, I mean, the, unfortunately, um, there were some computer issues with getting things going with hook set. So yep. it went a little later than I thought. And I probably kept everyone up in the house just yelling shit. But, you know, th- these are the these are the things we deal with. Or this, at least this the, the things time we live deals in, with. Yeah, the, we are in the end times. It's true. <laughs> so it's very true. All right, man. I got something for you. Lay it on me. What you event. got? This is my my main event for the week. Gotcha. All right. I'm going to ask a very specific question on gear to okay. you. Okay. I'm not worried about rods. I'm not worried about reels. I'm not worried about line. I'm okay. not worried about plastic, and I'm not worried about hooks. All right. Okay. What weight would you suggest for someone who is getting into drop shotting? Getting into drop shotting? Asking for a friend. So here's what I would recommend, okay? Um. Just getting into drop shotting. Uh, how, how deep could be could be anything down to twenty, if not more. Could you right. don't know? Okay, okay. So I, I I would say this: if you're just getting into drop shotting, okay, and you had to pick only one weight, start at a quarter ounce. Because if you're gonna go really deep, start with a quarter ounce. Uh 
if you're going to go any deeper than, say, 20 feet, like let's say you're going to go and fish like double that, like 40 or 50, uh, you want to start throwing much heavier than that because you want to get that bait down as quickly as you can. And it's a long way. Um, I would also make the suggestion, the one thing that I think, in my opinion, again, I think that you can do to help you get that bait to move is to get the cylinder-shaped baits instead of the teardrop-shaped baits or the ball. Um, they rarely get hung up. Um, drop shot weights are made so that when they get the, you clip them on the weight, if they do get hung up, they'll release and you should have your bait with no problem. Uh, but that rarely, rarely happens. Uh, Andy is jumping in here saying, no, Sean, no, uh, <laughs> I would say, I would say start with a quarter. Uh, if, if you're fishing more, more often than not, like, uh, under 20 feet, I would say go with an eighth. I think an eighth is a, is a great way to start, I do a lot of bank fishing too. So, I mean, that lighter weight is, is definitely preferred. Um, That's amazing. What you're recommending to my friend here, who's, yep. who's looking into drop shotting, are the same exact weights that I happen to use for Ned ringing. That's just amazing. Yeah. Same idea. The, the only difference is that your bait's not on the ground. You know, wow. that's that's the only difference, you know. There's amazing. a lot of That's similarities amazing. there. I, I think when it comes to Ned and drop shot, I feel like there's a lot of similarities there. It's just about the, the only glaring difference is where that bait is in the column, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I'll, I'll make sure to pass that along to my friend. Yeah. Let, let me know. His name's, his name's Howie. He's got a British accent. You might be hearing from him soon. Oh, Howie. Howie. English Howie. Okay. All right. I'll remember that. That son of a bitch. <laughs> He's... He can be a real MF, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> Easy bastard. Very nice. So let's go ahead and and before we kind of wrap up, let's let's go back and touch upon this whole uh, private property conversation, the Karens and everything. And it actually kind of worked out really well. Where after we had that conversation about private property and you know fishing private property, either knowingly or unknowingly, uh, friend of the show. Rachel Walker had shared a picture uh, sporting some really awesome uh, Hookset Hoodlums gear standing in front of a sign that said no fishing, no trespassing type thing, private property. And I shared a poll on that. This was probably the day after the episode dropped. I shared a poll on our story basically saying, you see this sign, what do you do? Find another spot or full send it? Like, how does it, how does it work for you? Has his thumb up his ass. Well, yeah, it's true. We've we know how he does that shit, how, Lauren. Sorry, how he's into that. Lauren uh, just completely derailed that. She totally that did. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the so so. Uh, you know how how where do you where do you fit on this? Are you like nope? I'm going to another spot, or you know I'm going for it and whatever. Uh, the, overwhelmingly, I will say like 85 percent said they're full sending it. They're just going to go for it and fish the private property. Like if either they're going to you know play dumb or whatever or anything else. And I want to kind of circle back and say this: that the reason why I brought this whole thing up was not so much about like the situation for the property owner or the uh, situation for the angler, but more of like the the situation or the clash that happens between the two. Ideally, you can't control the property owner, as Sean had demonstrated. Can uh, Property owner often can get tremendously unhinged uh, simply based on the amount of investment that they have in their property alone. If you had hundreds of thousands of dollars of property that you know could be affected by allowing people access to this, you might be a little wound up as well. 
Um, I think at the end of the day, what I want to bring to the table is that uh, it is not worth being confrontational about. It is not. Because sometimes you're in the right. And I want to give a a situation. I saw a YouTube video today where... uh, there was uh, the 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 duo that was out fishing had gotten kicked out of a spot, and uh, it was owned. It was one of these these small ponds that was owned between two houses, where there was an agreement between the two landowners, uh, where one house owned ninety percent of the area that the pond was on, and the other homeowner owned the remaining ten. And that was something that the two two property owners had agreed on, and it was fine. Well, the the one that owned like ninety percent had sold the property and moved, and the the crew going out to fish was totally unaware of this didn't even know that you know that there was a a change in in ownership or anything like that so they had shown up that day and i guess there was like uh some some moving boxes or something that were out there kind of tipped them off like all right well we'll see what happens and you know just kind of deal with it we'll come to find out there was uh some party had approached them and given them a hard time about fishing private property. And it was basically, he, he explained like, no, I have permission. I just wasn't aware that, that they had moved. Are you the new owner? And the dude says, no, he didn't own any of that property. So here's the thing. Sometimes you're not even dealing with somebody who has the uh, authority to tell you what you can or cannot do. What I, my takeaway is, is that, and, and I hope that, that you agree is that uh, you shouldn't even elevate that situation. It's just not worth it. Rectify it and do whatever you have to do to get permission to fish it if that's the case. If it means that you keep written, you know, a, a, a written letter on you so you can say, well, this is so-and-so, so that this way, if it becomes an issue later, you can then, with a clear head and in a non-confrontational way, diffuse the situation, you know? Because it's just not worth it. Either way. Yeah. You know, that is uh, sounds like a case that's just a simply mistake. But I mean, it's the risk they're running if they're trying to fish private property. I mean, the bottom line happens. Yeah, yeah. The bottom the bottom line on this stuff is like when you have a private body of water, right? And we did also learn that there are a lot of different situations state by state. Um, there was one that had come up, I think it's called the King's Law. I think it's in either Virginia or Tennessee, maybe. Um, I have a couple of letters that I'll go, or a couple of, of pieces that were sent into us, uh, uh, you know, with, with information. But uh, there was somebody had, had mentioned something where that uh, if you have a moving body of water and you access it, let's say on a river, and that you're within your right to fish that because you didn't access it through the private property, you accessed it through a public waterway that kind of flows in. So there's situations. Situations like that, you know, and, and where you're fishing can vary from place to place. So being aware of all that, like even before you open your mouth, if you don't know, if you don't know what the, the specifics are for the area that you're fishing, the distance between signs where it needs to be posted, or if it has to at all, if you're not sure, it's best to just, okay, diffuse the situation and just walk away. Yeah, that's obviously the best. It just yeah. it just doesn't happen. People yeah. get pissed off. They 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 think they own shit that they don't, and that's that's a major issue. You know, it's amazing that someone can stand on someone else's land and say you don't own water. Yeah, but you're standing on the land I own yep. or someone else owns. That's that's the issue. It's like, I mean, I, it's a great analogy. No one wants me to go over, and I suck at golf. Yeah. Do you want me bringing my seven iron over and hitting uh, foam golf balls in your backyard that you just paid just, money to have? You know, or just playing or jerks in your front yard. What? Or just playing jarts in your front yard. 
Yeah, I'm not going to you know? aerate your lawn with my jarts just because it's a lawn and I feel like it's a better place to play jarts than my house. Yeah. I mean, this is a kicker. Like, I I use my lake for some recreational paddling. I use a paddleboard because yep. it's exercise, right? Um, honestly, I don't fish as much as, as the first couple of years as when I moved in because yeah. I'm in tournaments that I have to fish public body of waters. Yeah. So even though I live on a private body of water, I fish it, you know, Rarely. I ice fish it for fun. Yeah. But um, I don't do it. So like when when I when I see some of the people that come down and and they're fishing, you see them get really excited. Like, oh, this is untapped territory. You know, no one's fishing here. The fish are going to be dumb. Well, no, they're not. I educated them a couple of years ago. Believe me, Bobby, you saw the pictures when we first started hanging out. Oh, again. Yeah. They're like, you're catching these fucking things out of here. I'm like, nobody's fishing this place. And I yeah, I gave these fish what for now. Are they super educated where they know every lure in Bass Pro? No, no. They, I don't throw every lure in Bass Pro. Yeah. But I, I have a bead on my fish and that, that live here. And I say my fish because I pay a lot of money as a homeowner on this lake to maintain the water, yep. to maintain the dam, and do all this other shit. So when I see somebody come in and treat the place like shit that doesn't live here, I get fired up. And then I turn to the neighbors and say, why did you let these people in? And most of them say, I didn't know they were here. Yeah, that's and that a, pisses me off. That's exactly it. Yeah. So we're having a lot of problems here. And, and I've got to actually raise that with the people that I'm dealing with uh, to, to maintain our lake. But, you know, it's a little oasis that we have. And unfortunately, like, you know, what, what do they say? Is, is it possessions 99% of the law, right? Yeah. Is that the, the, the old statement? Yep. Dude, what do you want me to tell you? I'm not fucking golfing on anybody else's yard. And yeah, exactly. Right now, Ra Rachel's listening to this laughing. She's knowing, she knows I'm getting fired up. She's been calling me the the fucking pond, the Karen of ponds. The for king like of Karen's now. Yeah, the king of Karens. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't get pissed off to people. I just call the cops and say, "Okay, look, you want to trespass? There's signs up. If you want to play dumb, you can tell the cops that. Not me. I'm not going to fuck with. I'm done with it. So there's where I'm at. Now I'm fired up again. God damn it, Bobby. You. Yeah, I it's hear all you. Rachel's fault. So I, I will say this: there's a couple of Karen stories or kind of Karen stories that came in from a couple of listeners. Roadkill Nick had shared one with us, uh, saying that he had an experience with a Karen because quote he was fishing too close to her, uh, even though he was on a boat and she had to have been twenty to thirty feet away from the water, sitting at a picnic table. Uh, so I guess they had words for about ten minutes, and he ended it uh, by acting like he was going to cast right at her. And she stormed off, cursing and flipping him off. He says he was 16 at the time. <laughs> totally get that. Absolutely. I was curious of, of this because I saw on one of these, these like Karen compilations on YouTube where there were a lot of people, not about private property at all. Like these were public bodies of water. And this is what I was really interested in. Have any like, you know, animal rights nuts go and like get in your face because, you know, you were fishing or, you know, you're, you're, oh, you're hurting the fish or, or. Or what, whatever, even though, you know, legally you're in a place where you're allowed to be fishing, you're not poaching, you're, you know, either catch and release or you're taking what you're, you know, legally allowed to take, you're following the rules and you have a license. Like, has, has anybody had any instances like that? I have not up here. I fish... Uh, in and around a lot of college towns, I expect it sometimes. I don't know, you know, why it is, and I don't necessarily know how I would react to it. But we had another story here. This one was interesting. 
I'm not going to say the body of water, um, be, but it's it, it gets it. Do, this body of water does get hammered, and it has uh, a historical reputation. Uh, so Jeff Caldwell shares this story. He goes, uh, he caught his first 20 inch brown uh, in January over at this one pond uh, right at the buzzer. And what he means by that is they lock the gate; you're not able to get out. So it was like the end of the day. It was like the last possible fish he could have caught. And uh, there was a, a lady that was um, that was uh, swimming. No, not swimming. What am I saying? There was a lady further down along the water's edge, and he had asked her to take a picture. And she refused until uh, he he asked her to hurry up so that he could just, you know, get the picture and then release it. And then I guess she did. He was like, not really a Karen, but kind of kind of funny coming from an old, you know, an, an old an old lady that uh, happens to swim at this body of water, I guess. And that was that was her whole thing. Uh, so, I mean, you know. We didn't get any like crazy horror stories or anything like that. Nick's is kind of humorous too. And I mean, I was 16 too. I know how that goes. <laughs> you know, I mean, absolutely. A couple of years ago, I was in a tournament at a public lake and I was throwing a spinnerbait and I, I was a little bit out of sorts and I, I let the thing fly and it hit a dock. And it's a public lake. I get it. Like it's an accident. I, I've had that happen. I actually get, you know, if somebody I know is on the lake in my house and they hit my dock, I'm like, hey, just don't leave the hook there. And I, I don't really give a shit. It happens. Yeah. So it it was early enough in the morning. It was loud enough that it it echoed. It was a spinnerbait. <laughs> boom, 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 and then you know went all the way across the dock. So I'm like, well, I thought about it. And as I as it hit the water, I go, hey, sorry about that. And it was an older gentleman who stayed in his house, and he unleashed a torrent of four letter words at me, like challenging me to a fight. I'm like, who are you? Like, come outside, we'll talk. You want are you really that upset about it? Like, I apologized, you asshole. Yeah, it's like you, so you I just. Know. I just should have got what he wanted. You know what I mean? An apology should do it. Like, hey, I'm moving on. Chill out. You know, I said I was sorry. I said, oh, man, I'm sorry about that. No, I'm not. I didn't go into the story like, hey, I live on a I live on a lake. And then, you know, I I vacation on a house on a lake that's owned by family. Like it happens like that happens. Well, this guy apparently thought my apology or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Goodwill was a show of weakness. And he fucking let me have it verbally. So I'm like, all right, well, then I'm yelling back. Well, let's let's talk. Come on. Tough guy. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I just. Know, what are you gonna do? I I always look at it as like at the end of the day, it's just not worth it. From either you know putting yourself in a dangerous situation or a a, a bad legal situation, because that's oftentimes where things just end up. You know, especially if if you escalate them. Um, it's just one of those things where I think I think you gotta you know let cooler heads pro, you know prevail and. It's just not worth it. Get your ducks in a row and then, you know, come back and and deal with whatever you got to deal with, you know, with that body of water. If somebody's, you know, talking out of their ass about, oh, yeah, I own this place or such and such. And you find out that that person is not actually the owner. Well, then you can tell them to shove it up their ass. But just make sure that you have the permission to be there from the get go. And it it never hurts to make the offer to, hey, you know, I, I can clean up down there while I'm down there. If there's anything that anybody's left by, I can grab it. That also will get you in some good graces. Most states do have laws, and I believe Massachusetts is one of them. And I think Florida is another that um, there's laws on the books that prevent harassment of sports, you know, sports folk. Oh, really? Yeah. So if, I mean, there's a million YouTube videos out there of people being assholes. Yeah. And you can can call the cops on them. You can sit in your kayak, sit in your boat and call the cops and say, I got a problem with this, this, this homeowner. Yeah. I'm not on their property. It's public water and they're harassing me and they, they can get fined yeah. if they keep it up. You know, most of the more, I would guess it would be a warning, like cut it out, leave them alone. 
Yeah, but if more they, keep, times they want to press not. it, yeah. If they keep pushing it, then you know that's exactly yep. it. You know, I've seen enough. Un- <laughs> I've had enough run-ins where I've learned to just yep. shut up. You know, oh, good stuff. I yeah, think- but like I said, even like I told last week, there was even a time last last uh, year where Nelson and cousin John and I we did the homework. Yeah, and, and we were still wrong. Yep. So yeah, that's right. That's a good point. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to say. I yeah. mean, it's it, it aggravates me as a homeowner in a private body of water um, that people think it's public and it's not, and they're not paying for it. I am. So what the fuck? That's all I can say. You know. True. Yep. Very true. But, yep. That's that. Oh. Well, I think uh, I think that about does it for our our intro section here we do have an amazing interview you got anything else on that list that we need to go over dude we killed it we killed it we crushed it we killed it we killed it dead that's awesome we have an amazing interview uh some of you if you especially i think it was the thanksgiving live stream we had done uh we had uh we had we had coined the term uh a resident uh biologist or uh, marine biologist dan staff staff biologist staff biologist that's what it was and uh you know i've got daniel crater on the show and uh if you have seen i've shared a couple of of his posts on our story uh you know you probably know daniel either as uh, a killer florida-based fisherman uh or uh, an amazing bait maker as well um you're gonna want to listen to this interview we talk about some really really great stuff and uh the art Artwork that is on this episode is of I think it's I forget the exact size. I'm going to look this up because I he I sent it to him so he can kind of you know take a look. And he said, yeah, it was a nine pound eleven ounce largemouth. This is a beast, absolutely. Florida baby, yeah, Florida man. It's that's the way it goes. Yikes! Yeah, that is killer. But so check it out. Professor Daniel is uh, is 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 coming up next after the break, guys. We'll be back after this short message from Three Bells Outfitters. We'll see you in a bit. Jigs and Bigs is proud to announce that we're being supported by Three Bells Outfitters. Located in Smith Cove on the Niantic River, TBO is Connecticut's premier paddle sports retailer. They're a full service shop specializing in kayaks and paddle boards for everything from recreation to tournament fishing. Three Bells is an authorized dealer of Hobie, Jackson, Feel Free, Native, and Bonafide kayaks, as well as many paddleboard brands. Not sure of what kind of SUP or kayak you want? TBO offers free demos of all brands. Want to go for an extended test drive? They have a full service rental facility on site. Three Bells also offers a complete rigging service for your kayak with such brands as Yak Attack, Yak Gear, Burley Pro, Yak Power, Torquedo, and more. The sky is the limit. You can visit Three Bells Outfitters in person or online at threebellsoutfitters.com. They ship anywhere in the lower 48 states or order online and pick up at the store. Can't make it to the store to pick up your kayak or worried the freight company might damage your purchase? Three Bells Outfitters offers a white glove delivery of kayaks within a 225-mile radius of their store at a rate less than typical freight carriers. They will deliver your kayak, set it up, and answer any questions you may have. Be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Don't forget to tell them Jigs and Bigs sent you Three Bells Outfitters because life is better on the water. All 
Alrighty, guys, Bobby Roast Beef here. It is uh, interview segment time. I've got a, a new guest in the beef seat with us. Uh, this is a guest we've 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 had conversations when we were doing some lives. I think it was. I think actually, I think Delirious was in on this live on Thanksgiving Day. I think. But we got in a big conversation about food, so that makes me think that you were definitely part of it, Daniel. Daniel Crater, guys, he is probably my favorite Cajun, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> we have, uh, we've been waiting to get you on here, man. Uh, you are a, uh, an angler, a very schooled angler. You know your stuff. But you also know some science about, about what's under the surface, you know, uh, which, which is really cool. It's very, very cool to kind of have that, that aspect here. So how you doing, Daniel? How's things? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. You know, it's a real treat. Things are great here in Southwest Florida. It's oh, always sunny and warm. So. I'm, I'm a little jealous. As I, uh, uh, I, I you yeah. should be. <laughs> we are uh, as, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and disclaim this now. We're I'm I'm recording this as we speak. I'm in the showroom of Three Bells Outfitters. So of course, you guys are nice. familiar. There are our newest sponsor. It's kind of been added to the family, kind of partnering with us. And uh, we are alongside the Niantic River right here, and uh, we're waiting for the skim ice to melt so that Sean the Fisherman can test out some kayaks. <laughs> and so we'll see how all this goes. I, I'm not even 100% sure how this is going to work, but, uh, you know, we'll play it by ear. So, Daniel, let's get to talking fishing here. Um, kind of like bring me up to speed, the, um, like the, sort of the progression, how you were introduced to fishing as a, as a pastime and as a sport, uh, and then like who, what, who it was that kind of brought that into your life, and then how you sort of kind of grew with it and brought it to the point now where, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're definitely what I would consider a little bit more of an advanced angler, especially like in the, in, in the bait making department, a hundred percent. I definitely want to talk about that. So kind of like, give me the story. Like, what's it all about? Yeah. Um, like you said, pastime, I'm originally from South Louisiana and just fishing men and women on both sides of the family. And so I can't tell you the first fish I caught cause we were just always around it. It was part of a, it was part of our lifestyle and we lived off the water. You know, we fish. We didn't just fish rod and reel. I mean, we we crabbed. We we drug nets for shrimping. Uh, even knew some people that did oyster fishing. I mean, it was just Ooh. part of growing up in South Louisiana. But um, a little backstory. So my my dad's family. Um, they're you know they're from like the Lafayette area. But um, my grandfather had a a fishing camp down in South Louisiana, south of Homa, the Homa Thibodeau area. Okay. And it was unique because it was on a, uh, a Native American reservation. It was an island down there. Oh. And so uh, the, the locals call it Pawnishen. We call it PAC for short on the IG. Uh, but um, it's just a big you know, saltwater coastal fishing community. So, yeah, so uh, I was always out there on the weekends and stuff doing fishing and whatnot. Yep. And then on my mom's side of the family, um, you know, they're from more of the New Orleans, outside New Orleans area. But uh, my grandfather had a camp on Lake Pontchartrain, uh, particularly the area is called the Wrigley's. Mm -hmm. And so lots of crabbing, lots of seafood, uh, lots of night fishing. We did a ton of night fishing nice. out there, you know, big speckled trout, redfish type of thing. Yep. So uh, most of my childhood was mostly coastal saltwater fishing. Um, I did a little bit of bass fishing. Um, one uh, big influencer to me was my, my older brother. Um, his name is Carl Jr. But we've, because we're from South Louisiana, we call him T. Carl. Oh, okay. Um, you know, he, he, he got me into bass fishing early on. Nice. Uh, fish like bayous, bayou black was a big area that we fished. Uh, mm -hmm. He even bought me like my first spinning combo and would set up lassos in the yard so I can like cast and practice. Oh, that's cool. So uh, that was my first introduction into bass fishing. Um, yeah, and then uh, it, it was, it's followed me. Anywhere I've gone, I've yeah. lived in three states. Uh, 
well, four, Louisiana. I moved up to Missouri. I lived in Missouri for three years before yep. I met my wife. I uh, did fishing up there. I lived in uh, Mississippi, South Mississippi, for six years uh, before moving to Florida. I've only been in Florida since May, last May. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. And so uh, it's been a transition. Every place you go is a little different yeah. fishing. And uh, yeah, man, Southwest Florida is, you know, it's got some got some species especially some big bass yeah so that's awesome now what when you're in florida i i, I, I everybody I, i'm sure makes the assumption when you're like oh i live in florida like are have peacock bass become like a favorite of yours do you catch them often in your area yeah well i mean they're a favorite because they're so elusive i haven't caught one yet oh um, gotcha so there's only two places in a row you can catch peacock in the amazon river or in south florida yep now they're heavy around like the Miami Dade area, mm-hmm. but uh, there's there's certainly a, a good population here in the Naples area too. You know, oh, nice. About twenty thirty minutes from my house. That's awesome. But yeah, uh, I'm waiting for the weather to warm up a little bit so I can target some peacock again. Yep, that's huge, man. That's huge. What about as far as seasons for like we're talking bass fishing here? Like, what's your favorite season to be out there on the water? More for like yourself, like creature comforts, not necessarily like because you know they're feeding up or the, or the, or what's happening, you know, for that time of year. What's your favorite? Well, certainly right now, because the weather is just so mild, yeah. um, you don't have to deal with, with the bugs as bad. The mosquitoes get really bad in like the spring and the summer. Well, I, I haven't experienced that. the spring here yet, but I can only imagine. The summer was brutal, especially oh, yeah. going out and doing some night fishing. You'd straight up fly away with these mosquitoes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's no joke. So, but uh, it's it's tough right now. I know I post a lot of things that I'm catching, but I can tell you, if you did a ratio between fish that I catch and skunk days, I mean, it wouldn't be too good. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely grinding. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fish that you do hook onto are, are definitely quality this time of year because yep. they're fattening up. They're all spawning. You know, Florida is different because we have like a six month spawning season, or maybe not six months, but maybe like you know, three months or something. Like that like cycle that. doubles up. Like you get a, a January to June cycle, then a June. To yeah, December it starts kind in of. October, and I think it continues yeah. on for a while. Um, so I'm That's still crazy. learning a lot of that, but yeah, they're definitely spawning heavy pretty here mm-hmm. right now. That's awesome, man. Now, uh, what about as far as weather goes? You know, I mean, you know, growing up in, you know, anywhere along the Gulf, really, you kind of have to deal with some different. Um, that's no problem. Anytime, you know, when you grow up like down south and you're doing, you know, um, you know, hurricanes obviously are a big deal, mm-hmm. stuff like that. As far as weather, like, what is the, like, where's your line where you're just like, yeah, I'm not going, I'm not messing around with this? What's the condition for you? Yeah, uh, definitely the wind. Just because, uh, yeah. you know, I throw a lot of different types of tackle, but uh, I'm really mm-hmm. big into big swim baits. And so I'm being able to put your swim baits where, you, where it counts, which is yep. t- typically tight up in cover. You know, wind's just going to throw you off and you're going to yeah. lose some nice baits. So heavy wind, um, you know, if it's right after a cold front, if it gets really cold, uh, typically the next day the fishing is just not very good like yep. it was yesterday. I mean, we had a little bit, you know, the moon phase was just right. So I think you had a just enough activity to get on some fish. But mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, – Right after a front, and then uh, when it's really windy, are the days I won't go. Are you primarily bank fishing, or do you do you get out there on a kayak or a big boat? Like, what's your what's your favorite? You know, so, or or what are you doing most often these days? Yeah, most often just for uh, proximity is just the bank fishing. Yep. You know where I live, uh, Southwest Florida is just a whole network of canals mm-hmm. and retention ponds that are all connected with culverts, so it's easy just oh. to hop from one canal to the next. Yep. But I have a kayak. Um, it's you know, it's not a fancy kayak. It's like one of those heritage heritage ten point fives from Academy. If that it I gets got a the job back. done, then you know. Yeah, I've yeah. rigged it out. I got like a stadium seat up in there. Yeah, I made my own like little bench seat and everything. But uh, I take that out um, 
not not in the freshwater areas because the alligators are just so thick here. Yep. But I'll take it out to like the Estero Bay, which is you know around Fort Myers, and um, we've got on some mangrove snapper out there. You know, it's real fun in a kayak. Oh, we'll find some it. structure with some live shrimp on the bottom, man. Yep. Uh, good eating fish. Good yeah. eating. That's exactly it. That's a beauty about saltwater. It's like God. It's just. It's. It's a. It's a buffet. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, I love saltwater fish. And saltwater fish. You know, you're no chump in the kitchen, from what I understand. Like you definitely like to throw down. I've seen some of your posts where you've got recipes and stuff. Um, I've never asked anybody, and I've had plenty of Louisiana-based anglers on before. What's your favorite Creole seasoning? Favorite Creole seasoning? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be your Tony Sacheries. So ah, that's just the most common. Yeah, that's the one. <clears throat> There's some other ones that are good, though. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've used Old Bay. You know, I know that's more of a northern thing, but oh, I kind of yeah. like the celery salt taste in Old Bay. Yeah. It's great for seafood and things like that. I kind of Tony's is a staple. Grew up with Old Bay as a staple. But yeah, I mean, Tony's is just, oh, I, my, my wife is one. She's like, yeah, I just, you know, I'm not much into like that spice. And then she got into. I'm going to drop a YouTuber name. I think her name is Nicole Burgess. And okay. she's she's from Louisiana, and she's a dietitian, I think, or something like that. And cool. a lot of her recipes use Tony's. So my wife had picked up a little bit at, like, the dollar store, and she's like, oh, give this a shot. And she loved, she liked it. And I'm like, okay, let's go for it. So I stocked up on two, like, <laughs> restaurant-sized, like, like, industrial bottles of it. I'm like, it's great. I just I use it instead of salt. Yeah, much. and they have different variations. Yeah. You can get, like, the regular straight-up one. They've yeah. got a bold Yep. which is a little more seasoning. And, and then, then there's uh, a lower salt, too, and I think, like a low that, sodium. That's right. That's yeah. right. I should probably look into that. Let's be honest. <laughs> I probably should pay attention to that. Uh, let's talk as far as, like, favorite bodies of water. Like, what, um, not specifically, but are are you more, you know, uh, into pond hopping? Do you do you like to get on a larger lake and break it down over time and kind of focus on it? Or, or is it, are you more looking for, like, tidal or current bodies of water? Yeah, it just depends on the species I'm targeting. You know, if I'm saltwater fishing, That's I definitely true. want to be uh, not maybe not in the Gulf, Mexico, yep. so to speak, but uh, I definitely like fishing some of the inshore uh, canals and, and lakes and things like that. Because yep. tide plays a big role in, you know, finding the bait, finding the clean water, finding the fish. Oh, definitely. Um, but you know, I'm I'm big into lakes um, and reservoirs. When mm-hmm. I was in Mississippi, I did a lot of kayak fishing on lakes, and so pulling out the topo maps online, finding yeah. the drops offs, you know. At one point, I never had a, a GPS, so you would use the old line trick to try to figure out where the drop-offs were and yep. things like that. Oh, yeah. That's but, where I'm um, at now, actually, yeah. is, is looking at maps and stuff. And, and you're right. It's like, it's a game changer, you know? Yeah. And then Google Maps, I mean, or uh, Google Earth, you can find some some new areas. Yeah. And then what I like about it is you can scroll back over the years and find out which areas are older. Because they're always digging stuff up, especially around here. So yeah. you find a pond, oh, this looks great, but it's only like two years old. Yeah. So it's not going to be mature. There's nothing really great going on in there. Yeah. But you can tell. You can tell when a, a pond's mature. You can look at the vegetation on the bank. And, yep. um, and then the fish are usually pretty quality. Nice. That's awesome, man. Let's talk uh, baits and, and stuff that you like. I know you mentioned that you like throwing big swim baits. Uh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, maybe a couple of years now. Oh, okay. I mean, Swim baits, I mean, depending on who you talk to and which group, it's a whole subculture. It do- uh, you know, they define is. swim baits differently. Yep. So you have swim baits, which is just any bait that has like a paddle tail, and then you have big swim baits, which are going to be your six inch and up. Yep. Like baits. your big glides and stuff like that. Right, yep. right. And so I got into swim bait fishing with bait making because, yeah. you know, I'm just making baits, trying different things. You watch YouTube videos, you see other people, and then um, I started making glide baits. 
And of course I want to fish them and then buy glide baits just to yep. kind of see what I need to do to replicate movement. Um, at the same time, try to keep it novel. Um, and then I, you know, lo and behold, I started catching big fish or, or, or seeing big fish. You know, I'd fish a body of water where I didn't expect to see like a six pound bass. And suddenly this thing is, uh, making a, a V line towards my bait. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, yeah. I'm just drying things out. And so that kind of hit a light bulb and then started doing more research on it and, uh, yeah, I mean, majority of my big fish are caught on six inch plus baits. There is uh, a school of thought. I, I, I watched a video, uh, was, I think it was like last spring or last summer, and it was uh, a video uh, about Mike Buka and how he mm-hmm. started um, the, the sort of, I guess, I guess, the theory of larger swim baits and the ability to find larger fish like that. And it makes sense. It's one of those things where it, it's, it's one of the bridges that I'm going to cross eventually. Um, I just got to learn like the right gear to throw the stuff on, figure out, you know, and just make the commitment to go for it. But it's always one of those things aside from big swim baits though, what would you say are your like next handful of confidence baits? Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up throwing worms and spinner baits and things like that. Um, I love throwing a jig, you know, jigs a great bait for big bass. Yeah. Uh, And there's so many different variations of jigs, but you know, from jigs, from a standpoint, you have your traditional jigs with skirt and football heads and whatnot. I always thought of jigs as it could be any bait. It's just the way you work it. Uh, cause I'll Texas rig a crawfish, you know, pin it and work it just like a jig. And I have a lot of success. Yep. Oh yeah. With swim crawls. It's funny. Like with jigs, I've heard, uh, it was a, a sportsman's expo that I was at just, it was actually like the month before I started this podcast. And in, in this, I was, I was in a, a seminar and they were talking about jigs and he goes, jigs are a much larger group of baits than you realize your chatterbait right. is a jig, your spinnerbait mm-hmm. is a jig. All of these things are, are jigs. It's just that it's a combination of hook, weight, everything all together. The Ned rig, right. it's a jig, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, what about, what, what else you got as far as confidence baits? Um, you know, in, in Florida here, you know, frogs, hollow body frogs oh, yeah. uh, are really good. Cause you can get into areas you can't with other baits. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't fished a whole lot of buzz baits or wake baits. I'm trying to get more into wake bait fishing. Yep. I think when it warms up a little bit, uh, but yeah, confidence baits. If, if I go look and see what's tied onto my poles right now, I've got a jig on one. I've got a, uh, a hard swim bait on one and then a soft, you know, paddle tail, maybe smaller swim bait on the other. Yep. And that's pretty much all I throw. I'm nice. a junkie for swim baits, but you know, yeah. they catch fish and I'm confident in them. No, absolutely. Hey, now yeah. this is, this will be interesting, <laughs> especially because you've got the bait making experience there, but you know, the familiar saying that fishing tackle catches more fishermen than it'll actually catch fish. Oh yeah. So in your entire lifetime, what do you think is the most ridiculous tackle trend that the industry's given us? And have you been guilty of using it? And the follow-up is, did it work? Yeah, I've, I've listened to some of the other podcasts and kind of took note of people and how they respond. And, you mm-hmm. know, my knee-jerk response would be, you know, the old-school infomercial-type lures. Yeah. You know, of the three that I remember, it was the banjo minnow, the flying minnow, and the helicopter lure. Oh, and yeah. I'm not going to bash any of them. All I'll say is two out of those three actually worked and caught fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, more new-school technology, you see, like, they got the little remote-control swim bait. You oh, drop it yeah. in a little thing of water, and it swims on its own. I've known a few people that bought it, but uh, I haven't seen them post any pictures of it. But uh, as far as, you know, stuff that I have fished with, um, I didn't actually buy this, but uh, I was fishing on the bank somewhere and I found one of those Lunker Hunt spider top oh, water. Yeah. yeah. Remember, they, it like won an award at ICAST. Yeah. It was, you know, pretty popular bait. 
you know, that thing's ridiculous. And I've, I've had a lot of blowups on it, but I can't hook a fish on it because just the hollow body's so small. The hooks oh, are yeah. so close together. It's almost like yeah, a I mean, finesse top water. It's it is. Yeah. It is. The people catch fish on it though. They do. I mean, but yeah. It's just kind of ridiculous, you know. It's just not a confidence bait for me. But no, you know, I definitely could see that for sure. It's more of a novelty if I were to throw it. Um, I am a huge believer, you know, I mean, there's, there's people fish for all kinds of different reasons for food, for competition, for, you know, relaxation. I'm a real big believer that the experience of fishing, like the people you go out with can make or break a trip or they can save a trip. Like you could not catch any fish, but have an amazing day full of laughs and camaraderie with great folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, with, with you, what's your like list of top three people you'd love to be on the water with and they can be living or dead. Yeah, I mean, first I'll say I'd love to go back and fish with my grandparents. Yeah. My grandpa, my papa Leo, my papa Heavy uh, from the Wrigley's. Um, you know, fishing with my dad and brothers, you know, I don't get to do it as often as I used to. Um, yep. But, you know, if I were to think like more like celebrity fishermen and women, I would certainly love to go fish with Roland Martin. Oh, he's yeah. right down the road here. I mean, he's literally like 20 minutes away from here. And we actually crazy. see him fishing a quarry in front of our neighborhood all the time. You ever say <clears> hello? Like his, huh? You ever say hello? Well, no, he's like, we're driving on the road and oh, he's like, okay. you know, 300 yards away, but we can tell he's got his nitro bass boat out yep. there or whatever. And he's got his film crew. Um, but yeah, we see him around the area. I've, I've, I know some people that know him, so I kind of have a network. So there you go. Uh, I just recently bought a, um, you know, I bought some stuff from him. I think his wife's like making turkey calls or something like that. Or I'm sorry, he's making turkey calls, but his wife's uh, selling them. Oh, no kidding. And so, uh, huh. I, yeah, I'm trying to get in uh, to to meet some of the Martins. That, you know, that'd be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. Um, what are your goals for fishing? Say in the next like five to ten years, like where would you like to see it take you? Like, you know, competitive or or maybe further into to bait making, starting your own company, or 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 what what you know? Where do you want to see it go? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of ideas uh, with fishing. It's always part of me, so I'm going to have something fishing related. Yep. I mean, long term, I we'll, we'll see how my company Top Banana Lures takes off. Uh, it's more of like a garage type bait building. If anything, I make baits to sell them in order to make more baits and buy fishing stuff. So it's like a self-sustainable hobby, so to speak. But I'm getting a little traction, getting a lot mm -hmm. of interest. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, but hopefully, I can maybe sell some baits here and there. Uh, long term, for me, I mean, I'm talking like retirement age. I would love to do a little bit of guiding. Yeah. Find a body of water, get a boat. Uh, they, there's even land-based guides here. Uh, just, you know, take people out, teach them about fishing, mm -hmm. uh, make it family-friendly. Um, yep. You know, I, I love teaching people. I'm a, I'm a teacher by trade. I'm actually a, a professor here at the local university. Oh, no kidding. Um, so um, I, I love just breaking things down for people and yep. try to explain that in my IG posts. Uh, aside from that, um, I mean, I'd like to get into tournament fishing one day. I need a boat. Yeah. Can't, it's never too late to start, right? Look that's at Gary exactly Yamamoto. it. It's one of those things. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. It's true, and and that's the thing about you know. I mean, I mean, tournament fishing, uh, tournament bass fishing is as a, as a sport is relatively young, but it's like you know when you look at some of the people who are out there and you're like, those are athletes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like when somebody could look at me if I got into tournament tournament fishing and they called me an athlete. Done. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's all about who puts the pounds on the scale. Yeah, it's, that's the whole thing. It is. It's such a unique sort of, I mean, it's it's kind of a unique game. You know, there's so much mm -hmm. involved. Now, you've traveled a lot and you've lived a bunch of different places in the country. Have you ever traveled with the with a specific uh, purpose to fish? Have you ever gone anywhere specifically to fish? Yeah, I mean, 
you talking about like between states or yeah, states? like yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we've got some family that live uh, around Springfield, Missouri. So you got the Ozarks up there. You got oh, Table yeah. Rock Lake. Uh, so we're planning things. We're waiting yep. for COVID to settle down, of course. And I've got young kids. I'm waiting. Yeah, you don't mess around with that. But I want to bring my kayak there. I want to bring some big swim baits and go uh, get on a, a bass. Maybe catch a smallmouth. I yeah. always wanted to catch a smallmouth. Smallmouth are f- wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, I've uh, I've traveled as far as two hours. To go, you know, wake up three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Get all my stuff rigged up day yep. before and, and do some coastal fishing. That's a way to do it. Uh, is there like a bucket list trip somewhere in the world that you're like someday I'm going to fish this place? Yeah, uh, it would have to be some type of uh, you know big bass fishing lake. You know, yep. uh, I probably would never go here, but uh, what was it Lake Lake Biwa or Bima or something like that? It's in Japan. Oh, okay. uh, that's where the world record bass was caught. I mean, but that's so pressured. You know, you imagine you oh, go yeah. there and try to fish where it's so such a big that's an, body of water. That's what's crazy too. Like you never, you just never know. You know, I mean, the the it could be a highly pressured body of water. Sure, you know it's. Definitely the cards are stacked against you a little bit, but, I mean, there's so much you can do with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you never know what you're going to hook. Throwing, especially, like, you know, thro- throwing a giant swim bait. Who knows what's, what's it, what right. could be living in there. Um, yeah, but thinking about, like, more, sorry. Um, go ahead. Thinking about, like, more local, uh, I would love to fish some of the, the California reservoirs. Oh, yeah. Some big baits. And then even here in Florida, like Lake Okeechobee, I know it's not as good as it used to be, but you've got new bodies of water, like the uh, the new Headwaters Lake. Yep. Which is just north of there. People catching 13, 14 pound bass up in there. That's insane. And you've got this whole retention area south of there called uh, A1. Yep. Roland always talks about it on his channel. Uh, you, you, can, you can't have a motorized boat there, which is nice um, mm-hmm. to keep it um, not, so, not so heavily trafficked. But yep. yeah, they're pulling 10 pounders out of there left and right. That's, that's bananas. Yeah. Uh, let's talk as far as gear goes. When you go out for the day, like, what's your typical rod and reel arsenal look like for you? Yeah, so I'll have a uh, you know worm type rod, which usually has like a jig on it or something like that. Um, I've got a bigger, heavier rod with a swim bait, and then I kind of have like somewhere in between for uh, my soft swim baits. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know, I say my big swim baits, like I have like a big glide, or like you know, a six to ten inch glide. It's yep. anywhere from three to five ounces. So I've got a you know seven and a half to eight foot heavy, heavy fast action rod. Um, you know, you want a low gear reel, a heavy gear reel to handle that big weight yep. I'm, people make fun of me all the time but i've been fishing the uh ambassador c3 5500 for years you know big old round conventional type uh bait casting reel mm-hmm. and uh, i had two of them one of them i lost in hurricane katrina but i still have the other oh. one with it and so I, I still use that one that's my my main swim bait reel that's and awesome I, i've got a little lose mach 2 combo that i love for just worming and jigging and stuff mm-hmm. it's not the heaviest rod but you know i make do with what i have and then yeah um, I've got a, a 13 TXE that I love. I bought it for saltwater fishing, but it works great for, for uh, mid-sized swim baits. Oh, no kidding. And I got that on a medium-heavy rod. Huh. That's, I love this next question, and it's a gear-related question. But um, So the, the scenario that we kind of like to lay out there is that there's an unnamed lake that you're going to you know go and fish for the first time. We'll, we'll call it a large pond. It's not a huge body of water. The one thing that you know about it is that it's got a little bit of everything. There's some, there's some rocks. There's some submerged timber. There's some grass, but it's not completely choked up with weeds or anything like that. There's, uh, you know, you've got some pads. And uh, the, the, we'll say that, that it's partly cloudy, you know, with a light, you know, northwesterly breeze, we'll say. Um, you can build one rod. 
and we have you know you, you got one rod, one reel, and how, what are you spooling it up with to throw? Yeah, so uh, it would it would be a big, heavy, uh, fast action rod. Yep, probably something like a like a Dobbins eight foot swim bait rod or something like that. Oh, okay, I'd probably put like a Shimano Trinks on there. You know, the four hundred or five hundred class reel. Mm-hmm. And I'd just be chunking a heavy glide bait along along edges of cover. Yep, you know, trying to see what's out there. Yeah, particularly if it's like a new body of water that hadn't been fished, you know, you're gonna have some hungry fish. That's the whole whatever, thing. Whatever it sees. Yep, and try and get get those big ones with that big bait. Yeah, yeah. That's I hear a lot about that Trinks reel. Uh, I think Weston Smith uses one, and he he loves it. You do? Yeah, I've, I've been close to buying one. I mean, yeah. it's just it's been sitting in. I've been taking it in and out of my Amazon yes. cart for the longest time. Uh, I'm waiting for one. There's a lot of people that swim bait fish here, so they're always posting stuff on like Marketplace. Um, you know, I'm just waiting for a rod and reel combo, just so I get mm-hmm. it. You know, not to, not to drop drop oh, the yeah. bank on it, but you know, just to start with something i had a nice swim bait rod i bought one of those uh look uh not almost said lacroix lacrosse lacroix no saint croix i'm saint sorry croix. yeah yeah must be thirsty right now I hear you. uh saint croix uh it was one of their bass uh b-a-s-s model ones yep. um and uh i it was good reviews and everything but uh i ended up catching like an eight pound bass and i set the hook on it and the, the rod snapped in two places <sighs> And, um, yeah, I have like a little video on Instagram about it. And, uh, the bass was 27 inches long. This was the longest bass I've ever That's caught. huge, man. Yeah. It, it was probably my PB too. Yeah. Cause I have some other ones I've caught. I didn't get weights on them. They were pretty close in size, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, man, it's like, you know, and I'm using this, my, my heavy fast action rod is actually an HGO express that I got from Academy a long time ago. Yep. I've caught bull reds on that rod. I've caught an all oh, big drum back when I lived in Louisiana. Hmm. And so it, it's held up, you know, people pick at me for it, but Hey, if it ain't broke, don't if it's it. doing the job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's now for, to, to wrap things up, there's two stories that I need from you. And, okay. and this is a polar opposite story. So one is like the moment that you're most proud of on the water. And that could be anything, you know, it could be like something that just went crazy on the water and you were able to help out. It could be a PB. It could just be like a miraculous catch. Who knows? The other story is that biggest sort of <laughs> that moment. And, and there's, I know as, as anglers, we have an abundance of those all the time, but like share with me, like just one of them that you'd like to share. We'll, we'll start with the, we'll start with the good news first. The good news. Yeah. yeah. So these stories are actually interrelated. Oh, that's so, perfect. uh, it's an area that I used to fish in South Louisiana with my dad. Yep. Um, and so, uh, typically in the winter time, uh, a lot of the redfish and trout will stack up in deep holes. And so you go try to find some deep holes on like a low tide, for example. Mm-hmm. And um, are you familiar with the Redfish Jubilee? Uh, Never heard of that term before. No. Is it like so the this, spawn or something? Yeah. So it's like a phenomenon that occurs. Well, yeah, it's not a phenomenon. Basically what happens is it gets cold. Uh, the water's low. And so fish will stack up in holes and they're hungry. And it's usually around moving water. And so in South Louisiana, you can find big pockets of redfish that just are loaded up. Really? And so my dad and I, we went out that day and, um, I said they're interrelated, so it'll make sense in a minute. Um, we, we found this body of water. We actually had to drive it to, you know, drive to it with a boat, get out, walk on the marsh ways. And, um, it was basically like shooting fish in a barrel. We caught a uh, limited redfish in 10 minutes. And when I say that, like I caught my five fish in five minutes and then my dad caught his five fish in five minutes. Yep. And these are like, you know, 20 to 30 inch redfish. Yeah. Mind you. 
And it's, you know, they're lethargic, it's wintertime, so we're basically just pulling them out of this hole. And so we kept what we needed, but we stayed there and we fished for like another hour. And, um, you know, we just kept, you know, kept throwing them back. But yeah, that was, that was a great time. I had my family with him. My, my wife and you know kids were back or my son, she was pregnant from my youngest one, but yep. um, my son Cypress was there. And so we went back that day and, and, and drove the boat around with them, but we almost got stuck on the way back because uh, the water was so low and uh, we basically had to putt putt back because we couldn't get on plane. Oh yeah. I mean, we were driving past like submerged uh, crab traps that were halfway submerged. It was, it was that low in the marsh. Oh really? No kidding. Uh, but that's not my bad story. Um, but uh, it is related because it was the same area. So that was my good story. Right? Okay. So it was just a memorable experience. I've got a lot of good pictures from that day. Yep. Um, my, ba- my bad story was it was kind of the same type of situation, same area, but it was like maybe five years before that. We were going to do the same thing because they just stack up in the same place each year. Yep. You know, we're going down this canal and uh, we're about to anchor so we can walk the bank to get to that spot. And, uh, you know, I'm standing up like an idiot. I don't have my life jacket on. You know, I should have had it on. Hope the wild fisheries aren't listening, but, um, my dad hits a stump and I'm on oh, the front no. of the boat, front of the bow. I've got the anchor in my hand. So I've got weight in my hand. It is mind you, it's like 40 degrees outside. The water's probably like in the fifties, mm-hmm. but that hits a stump and I just go flying head first with the anchor into the water. No douche. And it's like, it, it was such a shock because the water was so cold. But uh, the first thing I thought about, there were alligators in that area, but yeah. it was so cold. They probably wouldn't have come after me. But oh, um, yeah. yeah, I jumped back in the boat. Uh, we had to drive all the way back to the camp and uh, I had to change because I actually started to get hypothermic. <laughs> I was getting I like symptomatic it, yeah. and things. And then um, the clothes, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, we were there for a few days. So I had a bunch of wet clothes and well, those clothes were wet. So my dad gave me like an oversized like sweat sweatpants and shirt yep. and everything and i went back out there looking like you know mc hammer yeah, yeah, yeah. basically slaying redfish on on the bank you know it was whatever nice. you know we went back and made made the best of it yeah what can you do man that's awesome i mean yeah, so those those like, are two stories i always remember it could have been much worse you know i mean yeah i could have hurt yeah, myself it could have been really bad but especially like holding an anchor man that's crazy how deep were you when about when when you when you fell in Oh, it was probably about eight foot of water. Oh, okay. So I think so I hit the bottom a little bit because the way I dove, I went, I went straight. Oh, yeah. And if you're, bottom. If, if you're holding an anchor like that. I could have hit gonna... my head. I, could, I mean, I could have killed me. So yeah. I'd never stand up in the boat anymore. No yeah. no one should ever do that. I don't know why. I was excited to put the oh, anchor down. Again. That's exactly it. You get all psyched <laughs> up and you're just like, oh, we're just moving over. It's going to be fine. And things happen. Yeah. <laughs> things yeah, certainly happen. Awesome, Daniel. This is really great, man. Um, do me a favor. Uh, go ahead, take this opportunity, promote what you have going on, whatever social media, any kind of links, anything that you want to mention for the listeners. I'm going to also share that information on the uh, on the show notes um, okay. so that they can just you know check them out on their own. But let people promote yourself a little bit. Let people know where you are. Yeah, I'm Daniel Crader. I'm, I'm here in Southwest Florida. You can find me on Instagram at DP Crader. I've got two handles. Uh, my other one is Top Banana Lures, and so I'll post some more of my bait builds yep. there. And but they're inter- they're interconnected, uh, so I'll post things to to my personal one. It will usually end up on my Top Banana one. I'm also on Facebook, you know my name, but uh, I have Top Banana Lures on Facebook as well. I've got a YouTube channel. I don't have a ton of content, but you know it's it's building. I'll get something together to where yep. I can produce more content, and that's just Top Banana Lures. Um, but yeah. Uh, you can find me. Let me know if you have any comments. You know, I'm happy to chat about bait making, fishing stories, whatnot. That's awesome, man. Yeah. 
but yeah, uh, my, my, my lure company is Top Banana Lures. Uh, I just build baits in my garage. Yep. I'll post some things online every now for sale. Do uh, you do I'm, all I'm of working your... on doing some bigger drops? Soon, yeah. But... Are all of your sales basically like through through social media primarily? Like you'll you'll make a mention and, and do all the sales that way, or do you have a yeah, store yeah. online? I'll just uh you know, when I need some funds to buy some more materials to make baits, I'll say, Hey, I'm pouring some soft plastics and I'll post a pickle when I'm pouring and there usually a couple go. people will comment. I'll sell them that way. Nice. I'm also working with a company out, out here in Broward County. Uh their company's called Snook Snacks. Oh, it's okay. just kind of like a web-based platform that to target snook fishermen and women. Uh, but, you know, they, they sell a variety of different things. But uh, I'm actually working on a, a glide bait for them, like a, like a snook snack top banana lure oh, collaboration. Oh, cool. Nice. It's the nine-inch mullet glide. And so uh, they've already put several, uh, or you know, nice snook on it. Mm-hmm. The guy, uh, Kevin Hartman, he goes by Canal Cowboy. Uh, he's, he's been trying to put a 100-pound tarpon on it. He's, he's been close a couple of times. So the idea is that this bait is going to be like an indestructible glide bait yeah. uh, that you can target whatever species you want. And uh, so far, it's been you know, pretty indestructible. It's so, pretty awesome. Uh, that's just a couple of the projects that I have working on. Nice. Well, definitely a busy guy. Definitely, uh, you know, has a pretty, pretty interesting story. Fishes a lot of different water. Um, Daniel, thanks so much for doing this, dude. This is, uh, this is no, a whole thank lot of you, fun. Man. Yeah, this is great. A long a time pleasure. overdue. I feel like I think should <laughs> happy to come on anytime, especially when you do your live segments. I'll Absolutely. definitely be chatting in, so commenting in at least. It's, it's interesting to bring that up. So we'll, we will have a lot more of those live things happening. Um, we're going to be doing a few different things with them, but uh, eventually, between you, me, and the wall, that's actually pretty stupid to say because anybody who listens to this is going to know, <laughs> but I'll share it anyway. The goal is, so the, the new show that we're releasing, uh, Jigs and Bigs, The Shit Show, uh, right. will be happening uh, with a live counterpart. So we will okay. probably be recording that strictly so that we can get the, the people to engage that are watching on YouTube or Facebook. So get ready. Pour yourself a tall one and, and get it's gonna be. Oh yeah! It's gonna be exactly what the title says. <laughs> awesome! Looking forward awesome, to man. it. Cool. Sounds good. Well, hey, you take care of yourself, buddy. Uh, we will you see too, you, Bobby. Awesome, man. Have a great one. All right. You too. Thanks. All Thanks right. so much. Bye, bye, bud. Bye. All righty, guys. See, that was great talking to Daniel. This is a guy who his Instagram feed is just constant updates on amazing baits he's designing and just absolute freaking slaunch donkeys that he's putting a hurting on down in Florida. So one of these days, one of these days, we're going to fish in Florida and it's going to be something else. I'm really, really looking forward to that. So, Sean, this was really good, man. I'm hoping that uh, next week's show, we have some good information about uh, some super early springtime open water fishing uh, out uh, in New England. I'm hoping that we can share some of that. I hope I didn't just jinx us. Knock on wood. I hope so, too. Either way, we're going to get some food out of it. Yeah. So I don't give a shit. And yeah. my pants. That's true. Yeah, you'll have pants. And I, for some reason, I thought you would already pick those up. I thought you were wearing them at the uh, when you test, tested out the different models of kayak. No, I wore my full my full farmer oh. John, and then threw the top over it. Gotcha. So I was super double triple. I wore eight condoms. Is what I guess Pretty, what I'm getting. At. I wore eight. eight I wore condoms. eight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, there's so many jokes. There was a couple of real dirty jokes that that could have been made, and really, really off color jokes I, I could have made earlier this episode. I decided to 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 hold back. I'll save those for the ride uh, on Saturday, perhaps. I I think our friend Howie is going to fill our dirty joke quotient in the upcoming episodes. Here, I just we, we you guys haven't met Howie. You you probably will meet him down the road. We know we know three bells. You know they're familiar him. with we, Howie. We, I mean, we picked him up there. He was living in one of their rooms. Let's vagrant. just we'll put it this way. Jigs and Biggs has been a two man operation for quite some time. Uh, and as we continue to expand, there is the need for some additional help. Now, you know, I mean, we've obviously had some great conversations with Elise. She's getting in, involved, uh, you know, with with the shit show and beyond. Uh, but we've got also, you know, we, we had a, a chance meeting at Three Bells Outfitters with Howie, and we decided upon meeting Howie that he might be the ideal intern, and that's the position that we gave him for now is the Jigs and Bigs intern because we're really not sure where his his skill set can be best um, applied, for lack of a better word. And I don't know was, if, if it's that he has an abundance of skills or a lack thereof, and we're trying to find something. But you know, we we know we know he may be British, and he has a filthy mouth. Yeah, and we know that. And I think he's we're just gonna, He might fit right in with us. We'll yeah. find out uh, in the coming you know in the coming months. We'll see how Howie works out and um, good times. You might say that we are uh, New Englanders and Howie is an old Englander. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I, I just threw up a little in my mouth. Well, hey, you know, not everybody <laughs> can handle the cheese. No, uh, no. All righty, so guys. We'll, we'll, yeah, looking forward to getting Howie going, man. Yeah, it's going to be really good. Uh, do, go, go ahead and, uh, and and hit us up if you're looking forward to spring. If if you're in an area that normally you would be ice fishing, you know, and things are starting to turn around for you, and you're getting close to spring, uh, we want to hear those stories about those first outings, first open water. Once you have open water, please let us know how did it go. You know, uh, tag us in your posts on Instagram. Give us a little bit of information because we'd love to share that information uh, with other people. You don't. Have to blow up your spot or anything we try to always of course you know keep bodies of water quiet unless you know it's an integral part of the story for one reason or another but uh we've got good stuff coming sean you have anything else that you want to jump in here i'm good man i've calmed down from the uh the talk of the trespassing rachel's probably still laughing that's fine it's okay i, I think we get i honestly i think we could bury this man bottom line know where you're going yeah if there's even a question don't go there and if, then if do more research. Yeah. If you're dealing with a property owner who is acting like a dick, don't be a dick. Like, yeah. let them carry that torch. Understand that they've got a massive investment, far more than your investment to that area as, as an angler. So, like, take that for what it's worth and, you know, try and be understanding with it. Don't trespass. Get permission. You know, uh, and if you're, if you're going to do it and uh, – <laughs> oh, has Nelson met Howie? Nelson met Howie yesterday. Oh, he did meet Howie. Okay. All right. And you know what? I know you're wrapping it up here, but I forgot to mention something about Nelson's adventure today. Okay. So when I was out grocery shopping before we started uh, started recording, uh, Nelson let me know that the body of water he's ice fishing on yep. actually has a shit ton of people on it, and the bite is so slow that every time a flag goes off anywhere, everyone cheers. <laughs> Really? Okay. Yes. Very nice. It's just a co complete mockery of ice fishing 
that if if you and I were fishing, hey. one of our flags went out. Yeah, everyone around the lake would cheer for us. So that's how that's how things are going on the lake he's on right now. I'm glad he brought the chorizo and the homemade wine. Absolutely. So, well, it keeps spirits yep, nope. nice and high. That's awesome. That's right. Good stuff, man. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up. It's uh, it's just been another great show. Anyway, you guys are amazing. We cannot thank you enough. We just hit uh, 8,400 followers on our uh, Instagram, which it's all about you guys. Uh, we're working on getting that up to 10,000 so we can share some links. Uh, that would be huge for us. We'll get there over time uh, next week. Actually, no, 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 no. I take that back. Monday, our giveaway starts. We're talking Amazon yeah. Kindle. We're talking we've got a Dark Horse Tackle Box. We have a uh, gift card and a sticker pack from Three Bells Outdoors. That sticker pack is good for, what is it, five entries, I think? So, I believe it was six. Six entries into the kayak giveaway. So you definitely want to be involved with this. Amazon Echo is going to be a great addition to your, your fishing cave or anywhere in your house where you like to listen to Jigs and Bigs. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. We have uh, Hookshead Hoodlums have some stuff in here. I think uh, we got to talk about uh, stretching lines. Stretching lines will be, will be firing some stuff into the pot. Beautiful. Hey, and maybe... Maybe if our listeners are lucky, some of those things that Stretching Lines is putting in there might be some of that new Firecraw color. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Play it by maybe all the Maybe all those come home with me the next time I'm helping Damien out. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. About an equal, about a 50-50 shot. Really? Yeah. You kind of have about a 50-50 shot. And of course, you get a jig kit in there as well. Uh, you know, so so it, it's a great prize pack. That kicks off on Monday. We're going to let that one carry right through the weekend, actually. That's going to go right through until Sunday. So it gives everybody a chance to go ahead and get entered, enter everybody that they know. And, uh, you know, we'll have some stickers and some great stuff as well. So that's going to be available for you. That's going to launch on, uh, well, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, it'll already be underway. So just go to our Instagram, jump involved. Somebody had asked me, they're like, oh, are you guys going to do anything for Facebook? And I think we are. I think we're going to do what we're going to do for our Facebook is uh, the next time we do a, a, a live where we go live on both Facebook and YouTube, what we'll do is we'll do all of our sort of uh, cover all of our bases there in a live. We'll give away a jig kit on that show. Perfect. I think that'll be a good way to do it. To answer that question, too. Um you know, this the, we'll pull back the beef curtain a little bit. Yep. You and I have been extremely active on Instagram oh, because yeah. Facebook owns owns Instagram. We can post or do stories or whatever. The thing is, not everything makes it over to Facebook. So if you really want the full jigs and bigs experience, follow us on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Yep. It's just that that sort of is where it works best for us to kind of engage with our audience. We've kind of got a good way working with it. And Instagram covers a lot of different ways to sort of make things happen. Um, you know, and we're, we're getting there with the reels. We're catching up. You know, we might be old, but we're not dead. We're getting there. Yet. Yeah. Well, yet. That's true. See what happens after this weekend. We're eating some fast food, buddy. I'm game. I'm down. Fast food. Fast cars, fast, fast women. Fast women. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Maybe we'll take a train while we're out there. We'll take some trains. Train. Do some like through a tunnel. Yep, yep. Paper, <laughs> wood, flesh. <laughs> what the hell? Yes, Andy, you, wow, can, you, you can Andy. buy Instagram on Caldor. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, Caldor was regional, wasn't it? It was, yeah. There are some yep. people who, who have had some caldo. If you ever want to open up uh, the YouTube rabbit hole of ridiculous things, there is a channel that does abandoned retail building explorations. And I'm talking they get into Caldor, Bradley's, Ames, 
uh, what is it, two guys, they get into, I mean, you name it, they get into it. And it's like, I can almost hear the Michael McDonald in the soundtrack, you know, in the background playing there while I was like shopping with my mom as a kid. (laughs) On that same vein, there's a, there's been a, um, a website up for years called Dead Malls. Oh. You can see pictures of the malls that we grew up frequenting in the 80s and 90s, you know? Yep. So Fairfield Mall. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, good Lord. All righty, guys. Well, uh, it's been a good one. We will see you in seven days from now. Uh, if you still have ice, you know, if you got safe ice, go out and, and, and hit it hard. If you're in Texas, th- that ice is every hour that goes by is getting less and less safe. So be careful if you're out there on, on that ice. Uh, if you have open water. We're going to have open water here soon, so I'm really looking forward to that. Guys, have yourself a great week. Everybody take good care of yourself. We'll see you next time on another episode of Jigs and Bigs. I am Bobby Roast Beef, and he is Sean the Fisherman. Tight lines.